Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and I want to plug next week being Serve Sunday, uh, as the buckets are still passing, Serve Sunday next week, uh, but don't wait until next week to serve. Don't wait until next week to join a team. Um, can we put the join a team screen back up one more time? Um, and I want to plug, um, because I, I, I would hope that next week we have no one sign up, because everyone does today. So that's, that's my goal, is that you would click that QR code or go out to the lobby or just go to our website and fill out the form. Here's what we need you to do. We don't need you to do what everyone else does. You don't need to do what you think you're supposed to do. You can actually do something that is right up your alley that fits uh, what God has gifted you to do. God has gifted each of us uniquely. So maybe you want to do something with your hands. Um, maybe you want to volunteer in the, uh, during the week. Maybe you're retired or maybe you've got a few, couple free days or what, you want to learn some things. Our admin right in the front office, you could work a couple days a week as a volunteer. You can do anything. You can greet. You can work with kids. You can work with youth. You can work with middle schoolers. You can work with young adults. You can work in the garden. You can work at the storehouse. You could clean. I, I don't care what it is. You can do anything. We would love to have you be a part of the team. So you'll find out more next Sunday, but don't wait. You should serve. And uh, I, I just believe that as we get up to Easter, how many of you are excited for Easter? Anyone excited for Easter? Easter's going to be a good time. And I just believe that God wants to do something special during that time. And uh, we get to be a part of what helps contain what God wants to do. And one of those things, not the whole thing, but one of those things is serving. So I want to encourage you to, to join a team. And then one thing I'm excited about that I just wanted to say is if you drive by our church in the next few days, you'll notice that the colors are starting to change. Not because the season is changing, but because it is time that we paint our building and we're getting our building painted and I'm just excited about it. And I wanted to let you know, there's, there's like three people excited. You're like, I don't care. I literally don't care. Others of you are painters. You walk by the little corners. You're like, you guys need to paint your building. It, it's, it's time. And we realized it was time. And so we're excited for that. So I'm just excited about it. We're doing pink and gold. And so... One other thing, if you notice a dot right here, I opened up my communion, like out in front, knowing that I was wearing a white shirt and still splashed, three dots. And I'm really just, I'm bummed about it. It's just so dumb. Why did that happen? God wanted to remind me of his blood that he shed for me. Um, okay, that was too much. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're, we're in a series, and I, I don't know if you've been enjoying this series like I have, but this series has been impactful. Um, we're talking about the, 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 the person, the theology, the presence, the relationship, and today the power of the Holy Spirit. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the power, the gifts, the signs, wonders, all of that kind of stuff. And we do not have all the time in the world to exhaust this subject, but we're going to do our best to really explore what does it look like to see the power of God displayed on the earth, filling people and doing what God likes to do, which is moving and speaking and working uh, in human beings. And so today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to bring one uh, and, and underline and read along. But if you don't, you can do it digitally. You can follow us on the screen, and we'll read it here today together. It says, now about the gifts, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. This is his first of two letters that he would write. And he says, now this, of the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
Other translations say ignorant. Other translations say unaware. I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, before you knew God, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To no one, or to one, it is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To, the, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, in the different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, verse 11 will conclude in this part. All of these... Turn to your neighbor and say, all of them. Seeing if you're awake. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he, the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now you can turn a page, skip ahead to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Now Paul starts to take this pastoral and practical. You're the body of Christ. This is you and I. So if we are sitting in that audience, we can receive it today as the church. You and I are the body of Christ, and each one is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? He's implying something here. No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healing? Not necessarily. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. Now eagerly, though, desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now, if you've been around church and talked about or read about or known about the things of uh, the Spirit, especially in particular with the gifts of the Spirit, tongues and prophecy and things like that, then you know that a big part of what we go to to find and form our theology one way or the other, and there are people who would see it on both sides, would be 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And what is interesting is you see 1 Corinthians 12, where he's laying this out. He goes into, uh, uh, right after this verse, let me show you the most excellent way. And what he talks about is love that you can make a bunch of noise spiritually, and if you have not love, the noise, as valid as it is, ends at noise. We could see miracles and it be noise. We can prophesy and it be noise. We can speak in tongues and it be noise. We can see God do amazing things and still it be noise, if it is void of the most important thing, which is love. You with me? But, He didn't end with love. He continued on to say, by the way, this really matters. Fill it with love, but don't pass over it. So he'd go into chapter 14 and really begin to go practical and talk about these things. So for the sake of today, 
I want to, before we even pray and before we get into the message, I want to kind of give an introduction to what are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, depending on where you grew up, what you grew up, um, what kind of church tradition you grew up in, or the lack of it, uh, you might, this might be familiar, this might make you squeamish, this might make you want to leave. I, I hope that you don't. But if it does, uh, I apologize in advance. We're gonna talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There are nine gifts, and we can put up the slide. I've got a slide that we've made um, for this, and uh, uh, I realized I made this slide, and I thought the aesthetic was looking good. It took me about seven minutes, but the, the, the blue doesn't really show well, and so I apologize for that, okay? But uh, the nine gifts of the Spirit, and there are kind of three categories, revelation, power, and inspiration, okay? So I'm going to go through these gifts really quickly so that you can see them. Are you ready? You can take a picture if you'd like. I can send it to you if you want, okay? So the nine gifts of the Spirit, revelation. So you've got word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of discernment, power. You've got the gift of faith, gift of miracles, and gift of healings. And with inspiration, the gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Now I, I don't have 20 minutes to explain them to you, but I have about one, okay? So the revelation gifts, you've got the, the words of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment. Word of wisdom would be like the, the proper application, the, the supernatural ability to apply knowledge. Whereas the gift of knowledge or word of knowledge would be like, the, the best way to describe it would be like a download of truth. Okay, so it could be a download of truth about a person. You could see someone have a word of knowledge uh, about something going on in their lives, or it could just be something that God says is true. And a word of knowledge would be uh, uh, just a download of that knowledge. Combining wisdom and knowledge is a beautiful thing because it's not enough to just have knowledge. You also want to apply it properly, right? Discernment is wrapped into these as well. And discernment is the ability to sift through the noise, perhaps in the case of knowledge or elsewhere. It, the, the, a, a person with the gift of discernment knows how to read a room and know who's there for the right reasons, know who's there for the, the wrong reasons. There are a lot of people who are critical today of, of certain people or leaders or uh, groups of people. Um, and what's fascinating is you can tell the ones that have discernment when they do, and you can tell the ones who don't. Anyways, I won't get into that, but it's the ability to sift through good and evil and the spirit in the room, the motives, the atmosphere, the, the intent, okay? So that is the revelation gifts. But then, then you've got the power gifts, okay? Faith, miracles, and healing. Now, the gift of faith is the supernatural ability to trust God like crazy. That's how I would say it. The supernatural ability to trust God like crazy. I don't know if Skip's in here. I called him out a couple weeks ago. Is Skip in here? He'll probably be here next service. And uh, if you see Skip, he, he's on a wheelchair. Uh, he's, he's missing the bottom half of his legs, so he can't really walk anymore. But this guy has the gift of faith. It is insane. And he, it's funny, because I can see him coming from like a mile away, and he's about to tell me what miracle today that God did in his life. It's wild. And he'll, he'll say, he's like, hey, you won't, you won't believe. Oh, I will actually, Skip, because you tell me every day. Something you show you you needed something you said hey God I'm just gonna believe that you're gonna do this today and he's got the faith to see it happen and it happens all the time I left my my house with nothing in my pocket and now I have three hundred dollars how did that happen it was God I can't explain it's just wild he's got the gift of faith how do we get that gift I know some <laughs> how do I get that gift can I share that gift with you right the gift of miracles is the unique faith and assumption that God will move in power. There are some, like, now anyone can, can strive or contend for this, 
But some people have been given by the Spirit the gift of miracles, which when they pray, there's this assumption, this intuitiveness that they just know that God is going to do something. And they know that God is going to work a miracle. He's going to do something supernatural. So there's a gift of that. It's called the gift of miracles. The gift of healing, similar, is the unique ability to be a conduit for God's healing power. Right? So anyone can lay hands and pray for someone, and we should. We do. We pray for healing. We pray for miracles. We pray that God will come through. And then there are some with the gift of healing, where God has given them a unique ability that when they pray, when they lay hands, that something special happens. It's not a guarantee, but God has gifted them uniquely. That's a gift. It's a gift of healing. Now, the inspiration gifts, there's a couple here that we might be a little bit more familiar with, and some of you more comfortable with, and some of you more afraid of because it's a little bit more elusive. And these are the inspiration gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Okay, so prophecy is the communication of a divine message. That's it. Okay, so you could prophesy to someone, you could prophesy to a group of people, um, you could prophesy, I mean, a lot of times I would believe that the operation of the gifts of prophecy happen more naturally than we might think. It's in daily conversations. I can tell you many conversations I've had where someone didn't know that they were prophesying over me or someone who recently was, they, they uh, were talking to me in the lobby and they said, I don't know if you remember this, but about seven or eight years ago at camp, you prophesied this over me. I was like, I did? They're like, yeah, well, we were just walking into the room and you said this and it stuck with me and that was the word that I needed from God and it changed the trajectory of my life. I said, oh. So I don't know if in that moment I had the gift of prophecy. If I did, then woohoo. But sometimes that prophecy, that prophetic thing happens in a natural environment. And then many times it'll happen. It'll be like, hey, God has given a word and it is for the people. You see this through the Old and the New Testament, okay? So this is the gift of prophecy, gift of tongues. Uh, it, it likes to sandwich up real close. This is, the, this is simply the speaking in a language that you don't know, but God does, okay? So what you see in the, in the New Testament, you see where uh, all of the disciples, the people are there in the upper room, and they are waiting for the gift that, that Jesus himself promised. And they're waiting, and they're just contending to see God do it. He shows up, and like a mighty rushing wind, he shows up into the room, and they start speaking tongues. They speak, start speaking in tongues. They go out from there, and as the Spirit gave them utterance, they're doing it. Everyone thinks they're drunk, or is like, whoa, you're speaking in my native language. What we see is it enabled them to be witnesses to the world, and on that day, there were 3,000 that were saved. I mean, this was the explosion and the igniting of the church was because of the Holy Spirit filling them with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, sometimes it can look like I'm speaking in tongues and somebody else of a different language hears it. Now, we don't have time to just explore today all of the, the different facets of this and what it can look like in culture and the protocols and all of that kind of stuff, but it is simply speaking in a language that you don't know necessarily or that God gives to you that he intuitively and natively understands. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Okay, so that's tongues. And then the gift of interpretation is then on the flip side, the ability to hear and, and, and know and understand and interpret that unknown language. Okay, I gave you the gifts you got it? Yeah. Have you memorized it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There will be worksheets as you leave today. And anyone who gets 100%, you, uh, I'll buy you some Chick-fil-A. Okay. So that, I wanted to lay that out because this is important because if you're like me, you grew up in a, depending on the environment you grew up in, I grew up in kind of like a Pentecostal environment, and we're going to talk about that. 
And so, but certain ones of these might have been neglected and certain ones might have been over-highlighted. But here's the deal. They're all gifts. They're from God, okay? They're good and they're unique. And not everyone has all of them to the same measure. But what we're gonna talk about today is that we can all seek them. That's what we wanna do. So I wanna speak on this idea for the next 19 minutes or so, probably less, because we're going over. You're gonna go over today. So get ready. The gift and the gift giver. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to, the gift and the gift giver. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna move on. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you, God, for not only the gifts of the Spirit, but God, the ultimate gift of freedom and life that is in Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of this gathering today. What a privilege and an honor that it is that we get to be here. God, we don't take it lightly. We pray that your Holy Spirit would divinely and uniquely speak to each and to all of us today and leave us different than when when we came. Would you move in power? Would you show up in a mighty way and disrupt whatever's going on here and do whatever you want to do? We don't need our thing. We need your thing. So we invite your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. How many of you are, um, you, you're Lego people? Any, any Lego people? Okay, like several of you. I love Legos. I, as a kid, I loved building Legos and Lincoln Logs. And so my son, who is four and a half, he's big into Legos. We build Lincoln Logs. We build blocks, magnet blocks, Legos on, on a daily basis. And he's super into tall buildings and big cities. And so he loves to build this kind of stuff. And so he's really fascinated. He's got like a big mural in his room of, of New York City and the Empire State Building and Seattle. And he's got the Smith Tower, this little paper box thing, uh, this Smith Tower like model that he's built. Like, and then he's got a Lego city that he's built. So he's big into cities. And so recently we're at the, the big Lego store. Super cool. We're building the custom little guys that are like $9 a piece. It's a total ripoff. And so... And I had said to Noel, like, hey, we should get Jude for his birthday. Uh, We should get Jude a big city Lego set. She's like, great idea. So we're at the Lego store. And so I'm looking, it's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, the stuff that they're doing with Legos today is pretty neat, okay? It's real cool. So I see this one city. I'm like, this one is cool. I got it. I got to, I want to get this for Jude. So I go to pull it down. I look at the price tag, $429. And immediately I felt compassion for my parents. <laughs> because growing up, I don't know about you, but I was big into the large pirate ships. Does anyone remember the Lego pirate ships? With the striped, um, what's the word, flags? <laughs> my parents, they, they, they're still paying for those. And I remember every, every birthday, every Christmas, I asked for a Lego pirate ship. Is this, I'm, I'm telling the truth. I loved the Lego pirate ships more than anything. But these things were so expensive. I remember one time we're leaving a Christmas gathering with my family, with my dad's family. We're leaving the gathering and I was disappointed because I did not get what I wanted. I wanted a Lego pirate ship and I got a little Lego box that was probably still $47 and had nine pieces. And it's funny because Growing up as, as a young kid, and, and I'm sure that you know this, the younger your kids are, the truer this tends to be, is that 
the number one thing on their minds when it's a birthday, it's a party, when, when you're returning from a trip is, where's my gift? Anyone know that, that to be true, right? The other day I brought home something from, for one of the kids and Hayden's like, where's mine? Because one of the primary ways that a young child who's not yet mature, one of the primary ways that they relate to mom and dad or that they relate to the giver is through the gift that is given. And this is just reality, this is immaturity, but something happens as you grow older and get more mature that it becomes less about the gift and actually the gift becomes more about the giver. I remember rolling my eyes at my mom when she would, like on Mother's Day, she'd, we'd say, what do you want for Mother's Day or for your birthday? I just want time with my boys. That's all I need. And she's like, I don't need flowers. I just want good time with my boys. And <laughs> I, just, I just want peace. I don't care. Just, let's just, I just want time with my boys. And the funny thing is, this is true, that's a pretty good impersonation, if I say so myself, of my mom. I just want time with my boys. And, but the truth is, is that she didn't need a gift, and if there was a gift, the gift for her was a conduit or an excuse for relationship, right? The, 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 the purpose of the gift was to bring the giver and the receiver together. Okay, so this is what we need to remember as we explore the gifts, is it's never been ultimately about the gift. But if you think about the nature of God, that part of the reason he gives gifts is to unite him, the giver, to you, the receiver. So the giver is an opportunity for relationship. And this goes back when you see this parallel as Paul talks about the gifts, love, and the gifts. That love is the thing that holds it together. Love is the point, the relationship that God wants with you. That is partly why he gives you the gift that you might know him that he might have access to you. See, when you're younger, you crave the gift. When you're older, you begin to crave the giver. But what's funny is many believers today are either so enamored or, here's the flip side, because some of you, this is you, afraid of the gifts that you bypass the one giving. What if God wanted to give you a gift that you didn't want? Sometimes that's the case. Like, whoa, 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 I don't want that. Like sometimes you come to my five-year-old's birthday party and you give me some gifts that have 900 pieces. I'm gonna tell you that what I'm feeling in my heart is keep that away. I've already got tens of thousands of Legos, Lincoln Logs, magnet blocks, other blocks, other blocks, other blocks, and pipes. I got it all. But sometimes it's, it's funny because there's a gift that we don't understand yet. We don't understand the intent or the purpose of it. So we avoid it. And in doing so, we don't realize that we missed the opportunity to engage with the giver of the gift and understand the intent of the gift. Okay? So when we have this conversation about the gifts, we have to be sure to remember the giver of the gifts because what we know about the giver gives us insight into what he wants to us to do with the gift. Okay, I'll say that again. What we know about the giver gives us insight into the purpose of the gift. So if you, know, if you wanna know the purpose of the nine gifts, you need to first know the intent of the giver. Because when you know the character and the intent of the giver, it will give you perspective on the gifts. If the gifts are just weird, then you don't know much about God because God's kind of unique. 
He's weird. And I don't want to use trite language so much as to say, if you're not comfortable with some gifts, you should not be comfortable with any of this. There's some weirdo stuff in here. Okay? But it's funny because sometimes my dad will, <laughs> my dad will come over to my house and he'll, he'll pull my weeds for me. That's why I don't pull weeds. My dad will do it on his way into the front door. And th- <laughs> there have been plenty of times where my dad will, um, it, it did this for Christmas, gave me something. It hasn't been used yet. <laughs> it's in my garage, though, with intent to use it. And he says, you know what that is, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and then he discerns, no, Taylor, you don't know what it is. Let me tell you. And it's funny because he, he gives gifts with intent for them to be used a certain way. There's a purpose behind the gift. Because he wants me to, as a father, as a dad, as an owner of a garage, to be able to steward my garage with ease. So he's going to give me gifts with intent because he wants that for me, okay? So I hope I'm making this clear that when God gives us something, there's a reason for his giving. There's a reason God gives you gifts, okay? There's a reason God wants these for you. So let's talk about the gifts. The gifts, okay? There's two words here, these, those words that you see as gift, okay? The first word, though, is um, it's sometimes translated spiritual things. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant or unaware of spiritual things. So we read it in this translation, gifts of the Spirit, but it's better translated, I don't want you to be unaware of the giving nature and tone of God. So the, the, the way that God tends to like to give. I don't want you to be unaware about the fact that God tends to be a gift giver. And here's the comparison that he draws. He draws, he draws these two comparisons, right? Okay, so there's, I don't want you to be unaware of the giving nature of God because, what is he going to say? Some have been led astray and turned to mute idols. So what, you see these, this contract? There's a giving, speaking, alive, working, current God, and there are dead idols. But you know the thing about idols is they always promise something. They just never delivered on them. So what Paul wants us to understand before we talk about the gifts is the nature of the giver is one who likes to give and one who is still speaking. It is important that we understand this. Because if we're not careful, we will assume about God that he's done speaking, which is a very dangerous place to enter into. And I know it makes some people feel uncomfortable because they say the word of God is sufficient. And trust me, friends, I'm a Bible person. And God, because he speaks, is using this to speak, by the way. He's not done speaking. That's the tone and the nature of God. You have to assume this about God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's continuing to speak. Okay? So Paul here is affirming the nature of God so that he can lay the groundwork to speak to the gifts from God. Okay? So there's that word, the the first word gift, speaking of the nature of the gift giving of God. But the second word gift is this word charisma. Now, you've probably heard this word charisma, um, and this is where we get the word charismatic, okay? Charismatic meaning gifts. And that is the simple, the easiest way to describe this word is as it is translated, it's gifts, 
okay? It, it revert, re, this word refers to the gift itself, and it means that which is freely dis- given and bestowed upon. And these are the nine gifts, right? The wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, and others that he would go on, he'd talk about things like hospitality and otherwise. These are these gifts that God freely gives and bestows upon his people. And there's an intent. So here's what I want to do today. I know this is kind of teachy, but I want to give you four observations about the gifts. Four observations about the gifts. And I'm going to run through these as fast as I possibly can, I promise, because I want to pray. Number one, observation. You can write this down. The gifts must be stewarded. The gifts are meant to be stewarded. Since now the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Why does he say that he doesn't want you to be uninformed? Because sometimes people are uninformed. That was deep, wasn't it? Why does he not want you to be ignorant? Because some people are ignorant. That includes me. They're often sensationalized, misinterpreted, demonized, or forgotten. And all of these things, here's the thing about the gifts, is they are manipulatable. They are stretchable, they are tweakable, and they are, it is possible to operate in a gift and with a spirit of perversion do it. It is possible. So what do we understand about the gifts is they need to be stewarded. And some of us, though, what we've done is our inability to steward the gift, because here's what we know about gifts, right? You see the parable of the talents. What did the guy with one do? He buried it in the ground. He didn't lose the gift, but he didn't steward it well. Some of us, we've buried this aspect of our Christian faith in the ground, and God would come back and say, why have you not stewarded the gift that I gave you? It is a gift that is meant to be stewarded, protected, and used. Some of us, we carry baggage into this conversation, and I've heard it said, if you speak in tongues, you got a demon in you, and if you don't speak in tongues, you got a demon in you. (laughs) I remember one time, there was a person who went to a youth camp, I was talking to them, and their parents called and said, why did you fill my kid with a demon? They came home speaking in tongues. We don't believe in that kind of stuff. Which just blew my mind, because they have enough faith to believe that a youth pastor could lay hands on a student and fill him with a demon, but they don't have enough faith in the living God to fill someone with their spirit. How paradoxical is that? But they had such baggage related to this issue, they did not know how to steward it. Okay, so the gifts are meant to be stewarded. Here's what we know. The gifts are from God, they're good, they're available, and they are available for everyone. You see this, whether you're a man or, or a woman. He says, brothers and sisters, he's intentional here to call it out because the gifts do not know any bounds. It's not meant to be for black or white, for rich or for poor, for powerful or powerless, for young or for old, for, black, uh, for any of these things. It is not meant to be limited to one. Guess what? If you're breathing, you have access to contend with God to say, I want this gift. You have access. And God wants you to know that these gifts are available. Now, as much as he distributes them, it does not mean that I cannot ask. God, I want more discernment. God, I want miracles. God, I want more faith. God, would you give it to me? But you might have a native like gift that he bestowed upon you for this one that you did not initiate yourself. You just received it. Okay. So the gifts must be stewarded. Number two, the Holy Spirit is still giving gifts today. This is where I want to park. It says now about the gifts. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, before you knew God, in other words, somehow in those moments you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. And then he would go on to say there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. And what we need to understand today, and this is the theological, doctrinal, orthodoxical understanding that you and I as believers today need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is not done speaking, moving, healing, working, performing, and doing it through people. He's not done. How many believe he's not done, right? So there's, there's, there's a doctrine here that I want us to understand, and these might be words that you've heard before, but it's these two words, cessationism and continuationism. I don't know if you've caught the drift yet. I am not a cessationist. Okay, so we got these up here. Cessationism, the belief that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit being displayed through human beings has passed away after the apostolic age. Okay? This is when the apostles were on the earth. God did the extent of what he needed. We got the book. Now we are set. We don't need the Holy Spirit to work anymore. I just don't think that that is within the character of God to just stop. Paul never implied it either. I don't think you can build much of a case for it. If you want to, guess what? The only thing that is required for you to get into the kingdom is faith in Jesus. It is not to be a cessationist or a continuationist. It's just to understand that Jesus is Lord, that's it. Friends, so you, I have some friends in my world who are cessationists who love Jesus, and I believe that God is still working in their life, okay? So cessationism, that is the belief that the, those, the, these gifts, we don't need them anymore. Continuationism, that's what we would be as a, as a house here, is the belief that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit and their display through human beings are still at work today. Okay, this is our belief. Why are we continuationists? I'm going to give you the reason. The New Testament emphasizes the gifts. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted the gifts of the Spirit for everyone. He would say things like, I speak in tongues more than all of you combined. This is literally what he said. I speak in tongues a ton. And he's not doing that to boast or be weird. He's just saying... I want it for you. If you don't have, I mean, look, love's the main thing, but I want this for you. It's a benefit. So Paul wanted it for everyone, and it is consistent with the character of God to keep giving gifts as he has always done. So when you understand that this is why I have a hard time with being, somebody being a cessationist is because I feel like it's, it's a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding of the character and the nature of God. God loves to give gifts, so why would he stop? Okay? We don't have time to exhaust this, but the Holy Spirit is still filling believers, giving gifts, and working miracles today. And I believe that for the world to know Jesus today, especially given our climate, given the things that are going on, given the, given the, the political atmosphere and the division and the brokenness and the, uh, just the, 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 the nature of the world that we're living in today, it is unique, it is dark, it is broken, it is hard, it is, it is uh, tumultuous, it is weird, and we need the power of God. We don't need powerless Christianity. We need Christianity, which Christianity at its core is power. It is the power of God that birthed the church. It is the power of God that gives you revelation as you read the scripture. It is the power of God that leads you one way when you could have gone the other. It is the power of God at work that will redeem the world. 
gonna invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close several minutes late. Number three, the gifts are for building up. This is key. The gifts are for building up. Verse six, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, so every gift and every person who receives a gift, get this, it is the same God at work and to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for what? The common good. The common good. Now that word manifestation means a public proclamation. Okay? So what you see consistent with the gifts is each is different, each takes on a different tone. Some tend to be more public, some tend to be more private. Some tend to have their own outworkings in either environment, right? So if I speak in tongues, I'm not gonna perform for you today. I don't know if you caught this, I speak in tongues. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of 12-ish. I don't remember exactly. I was in a van. I've talked to people in our congregation who got filled with the Holy Spirit in their kitchen at the table praying with one person. Doug Evans, our uh, facilities director, him and his wife were filled with the Spirit behind this screen. And one of them behind the screen, one of them at their house, spontaneously. They didn't even pray to receive it. Now, some of us though, what we do is we bring so much baggage into it that sometimes what we need is we need a moment and an invitation to receive it. We're gonna talk about that over the coming weeks and we're gonna pray for people to receive that. We believe in it. We don't believe that it's essential for salvation. Of course it's not. Belief in Jesus, that he died and rose again, that's it. But man, this is a good gift. There's a purpose for it. But the moment that the gift goes from private to public is the moment that there becomes boundaries around it. And the sole boundary is it is for the common good. Okay, so when, if you think about it, like if I'm prophesying, performing miracles, whatever gift it might be, one of the nine or anything else, the moment it's public, the tone must be to build up. Building up can include rebuke, can include uh, challenging, it can include all of those things, but the primary mode is, is to build up. So when I do that before the body, that's gotta be my motivation. If it is not, to tear, if it's to tear down, then it's just like he goes on to say in uh, chapter 13, you have not love, you're a bunch of noise now. But when I'm at home and I start my day as I pace around in my house while I'm making my pour over coffee, when I speak in tongues in that environment, nobody is hearing, I can get loud. Depending on how loud I get is, is whether or not I'm gonna wake up my children so I choose to tone it down a little bit or go out to my office. And, and when I do that, I'm not building anybody else up, but I'm strengthening myself. So we'll, I'm not gonna get into tongues a ton, but what, what, what Paul would say is that you strengthen the inner man, the inner person. So when I speak in tongues, I'm praying the perfect will of God. I might set my mind on one thing, but, and as I set my mind on a situation and, and I don't have the words to say, I just start to speak in tongues and I know that I'm praying the perfect will of God as scripture says. That's what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is I'm using the gift in that moment to build up the body. In this case, it is the common good of my body, my own self, my family, my home. But the moment I bring it public, it's, it's gotta be for the common good. And I, I would imagine that some of you, you've seen it, 
used for good and you've seen it used for not so good. And you can tell because you got some discernment. You're like, that wasn't for good. That was to tear down. That was to manipulate. So we've got to be careful of that. So this is why it is so important that we acknowledge that Paul says here, it is meant to be building up, not tearing down. So the gifts of the spirit are for building up number four. I think this is the most important. There's a reason for the gifts. Acts one, I don't have this for you on the screens, but I'm gonna read it to you. They gathered around Jesus and they said, this is verse six, Lord, is this the time where you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said back to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the father is set by his own authority. But here's what you can know. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when he comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why do we need the gifts? Why do we speak in tongues? Why do we contend? Why do we intercede? Why do we listen to God? Why do we read the word? Why do we have faith? Why do we pray? Why do we prophesy? Why do we ask God for the gifts? Because we need the power. I would make the argument today that without the power, you have a dumbed down, empty Christianity. I might say it this way, you're missing out if at least you don't contend for it. You may not have the same gift as the person next to you, but friends, God has made them all available and eligible for you to knock on the door and say, God, might I have some? And we have hurt our people by saying that you cannot ask for things from God. Friends, it is time to start asking God for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us and to work through us. Why? Because the world needs the proclamation. Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is one name by which you can be saved. His name is Jesus. There is only one way, only one truth, only one way to life, and it is the person and the way of Jesus. The world needs to know. And how does the world know? Unless we tell them. How do we tell them? I can't even say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It is the only possible way that I can even say those words. Jesus is Lord. Lord, you know why I said it? Because the Spirit has enabled me to say it. And it is time that we contend to say, God, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this sounds like. I don't know what this is gonna feel like. I'm not sure how this all works, but one thing I know, I cannot keep going without your power. Would you stand with me today? And can I ask for our prayer team, can you guys come over now? And anyone who's on our prayer prophetic team, could you just line up to the front? And here's what I wanna do, we're, nothing's off limits. Maybe you'd say, you know, I wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can come and ask, we're gonna be talking more about that. Some, some of you, the best thing you could do is go home and read these chapters that we spoke about today. And just start going to the Holy Spirit and say, God, would you open my heart to this? And I, friends, I promise you, it's not to be weird. It's to get power. Like, but look, 
you speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, you are a bunch of noise. But if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, you see miracles, you follow, you do all of these things and you have love, it is the most lethal thing to the plan of the enemy and the gates of hell that Pastor Steve spoke to. It is the most lethal thing to pray in tongues with a love that says, God, I need you to do something in my life and through my life. So would you lift your hands today all over the room? And here's what I want you to do if, if your hands are lifted, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask, or, or maybe just uh, do this. If you want the power, and you might already be filled with the Spirit, but you feel like there's been a void of power, and you're saying, God, I want, I want a filling again. I want a fresh wind. I want a fresh wind of your Spirit. God, as a dad, I'm on my last leg. I can't do this anymore. I want to be done, but by your Spirit, might I continue. It, might, it could be anything. You need the Holy Spirit, friends. So if you say, I need the power again, I need a filling of the Holy Spirit, I need a fresh wind of the Spirit, would you clinch, clinch your fist as your hands are lifted? Would you just clinch your fist? And here's what I want you to do. If you clinch your fist and you feel so bold, would you come up and receive prayer from one of our prayer partners? We're gonna sing together. We're gonna sing the song. We'll dim the lights a little bit. If you need prayer for anything, or you're saying, I just need a fresh wind of the Spirit. These guys are gonna be ready to pray. And as we sing, as you feel led, would you come up and pray with somebody to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit that He might empower you as you go home, as you go to your office, as you're on your Zoom meeting, as you're in school, as you're with your kids, that in every moment and every day that the power of the Holy Spirit would be what leads and guides you. Can we sing this out together? And as you feel led, would you come down and receive prayer? We're ready to pray for you. Don't miss this opportunity, friends. Today is your day to receive some power. Come on, can we lift our hands and sing this together?